I'm now in my 30th year working to restore nature in forests and on farms, mostly across the north of England. 30 years ago I left the city and my old job behind. I hung up my suit and tie and went off to plant trees. It's a decision I've never regretted. I'm Pete Leeson. Welcome to Tree Amble Podcast. This is a podcast about people and farming and trees and nature and how we could all do much better. Hi, and welcome to episode three of the Treeamble podcast. Today's interview is with Andrew Hatton. Andrew is a tenant farmer in a very remote farm high up in the Yorkshire Dales. He had a rethink in 2010 when he moved from a sheep and beef farm to a much reduced sheep flock and a small herd of dairy shorthorn, which he now milks. He revived a traditional raw milk cheese from his milk, which is now sold as an artisan product. We had a lovely interview surrounded by Curlew and Lapwing on a gorgeous early spring day. I hope you enjoy it. Andrew Hatton. Yeah. yeah. Good afternoon. Welcome to, welcome to, um, well, low rigs, not, not quite. We're nearly there. What you can see, I, I'll just explain what you can see. So our, the farm is, is probably... Um, Maybe half a mile distant from us there, yep. Um, and and it and uh, the boundary to the left, that the, the watercourse to the left, you can see is Steenbeck, which is one of the main tributaries of the Nid in the Upper Dale, um, and that drains uh, basically Steenmore and Rigsmoor, which are shrouded in the clouds and sort of and the tops in, of which covered in, in snow, snow yeah. at the moment, uh, and then. Um, our other boundary is this one, Armathwaite Gill here, which again leads up onto the top uh, in the in the near horizon. Um, uh, over the, t- I think there's probably, I think that's not a cloud over there. I think that's, yeah. that's probably Great Wernside. You can see okay, on yep. the top there that goes to about two hundred, two thousand three hundred feet. And in the summer, our sheep will be up there. Um, and so we, what you can see in front of you really is the, the sort of sloping plateau is, is ours, basically. Um, ours, as uh, in you're uh, renting uh, We're tenants, yeah. Tenants, so we're yeah. first-generation tenants uh, on the Middlesbrough estate. Uh, fantastic landlord who's, who's taken us on um, with no farming or no, no uh, track record as farmers, although we've been involved in the farming industry. I've been involved in the farming industry all my working life. So he took us on as a bit of a risk, and uh, um, but hopefully it's paid off for him. Um, so we, we we farm basically uh, 490 acres that you can see there, and then we have grazing rights for a hundred ewes on uh, basically Rigsmore and Great Wernside, um, and we and um, and. What we've got into, we've probably got about 40 acres, 40, 50 acres of meadowland that mm-hmm. we're actually restoring. That's all going back into uh, um, 
diverse hay meadows, upland hay meadows. So the, those are in uh, stewardship scheme. We've got then another probably 60, 70 acres of what I would call a pasture, which we graze our, our um, northern dairy shorthorn cows on. And uh, then we've uh, um, and then we've got the rest of it is really rough grazing and other allotment. Um, so what we tend to do now, we, when we first came here, we sort of had a beef herd of about 20 cows and, for, and we built up to about 400 uh, horned sheep uh, and realised in about 2010, 2012 that really that was taking us nowhere. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we've completely had a bit of a, I don't know, there's an epiphany or a, a very radical change anyway and we've now we've now we've we we by the end of this year we'll be down to 40 sheep 40 ewes and we'll be milking um probably 30 northern dairy short on cows and turning that into an artisan raw milk farmhouse cheese um mm. and so that's that's on us in a nutshell we're uh, we're um Haven for all the ground nesting birds. We've got we're one of the best farm. I'm told we're one of the best farms in Upper Nidderdale for um, curlews, lapwings, ragshank, oyster catchers, golden plover, um, snipe, and woodcock, etc. The same was that as good when you arrived, or is that something you've managed to? Uh, I, I think that um, I think it was good when we arrived. I think that what um, what my uh, and the challenge therefore is to maintain that mm. um, and not and 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 so we do. Fortunately, the AONB do record uh, numbers on a, every other year or so. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, my concern is that we've got we've got to we've got to maintain that and probably augment it and mm. do our best. We're in a black grouse area. We've the black grouse numbers are low, but they're I think they're stable. Uh, and they had a good year last year. They were they 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 were they bred last year. Uh, we've got all of the um, they've got raptors as well. So it's it's a, it's a, and it's a shooting estate as well. So there's there's, there's sort of this this keepering goes on. So um, there's yeah one of the major challenges here is to farm to 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 create a um, a viable business uh, going forward um, that that all that 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 is is a a, a light touch on on nature really. Mm. Um, I hope. Mm. So, it, it, what was here before? I mean, we're actually, where we stood is actually in a field which has got plenty more sheep on it. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, this landscape has been, perhaps not your particular bit of it, but the wider landscape has had lots of sheep on it. It has, yes. And, and um, I mean, uh, my views on sheep have changed radically um, over the last ten years, and. Um, uh, and one of the things that we found was that when we were investigating our, or when we were at the very beginning of our cheese journey, we visited the Auvergne in France, to, principally to look at mobile milking parlours. Okay, yeah. And whilst we were there, we were there in sort of June time, and uh, they practiced transhumans, so their cows, whereas in the UK, the sheep move up to the hills, in, in the Auvergne, it's the cows that move up to the hills. And what we noticed in, in some of those, round the farm steadings themselves, 
was where they had their hay meadows or their silage meadows. And, and what was really interesting there was that many of those meadows had were, were quite diverse um, and, and had some of the species that we actually wanted in our meadows. Mm. And, um, and actually one of the telling things about the Auvergne was that there were no sheep there. Right. And so as soon as we came home, we started to get rid of our sheep reduce our numbers drastically. We stopped lambing our sheep in our meadows and we kicked them up to the higher pastures. And within that year, that year we had an explosion of floral diversity in our meadows and we had a, a massive increase in, in hay stroke silage yield. Um, and, and it's been a real eye-opener eye for me uh, in terms of the impact, that the suppressive impact that sheep have on... Um, on well, grassland certainly, and pro and, and well, wildlife habitat I equally. Where we've ha where we've one of the things we'll talk about perhaps later is you know we've the, the Steenbeck Gill there that we that we're gradually planting up with trees, where we've had a landslide there and we've kept sheep out of that particular um, field or that particular land parcel, uh, just purely by coincidence, the landslide was. Uh, on the leeward side of a, a, a group of alders, mm. and um, within three years there was a massive stand of alders there yeah. that is regenerating. You think, crikey, what would this landscape have looked like had we not had sheep on it? Yeah. Yeah. And and so I'm, you know, I, I, I you're speaking to someone here who grew up, who's been involved with sheep all his life. I like sheep, but. I think that they have to be managed extremely well and differently if we are going to accomplish anything in terms of a, 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 a of change within within this sort of landscape. That's if if we want to have that change within yeah. this landscape. And, and, and that is the discussion point, isn't yeah. it? But is it? I mean, there's there's going to be. I, I'm I'm sure people listening are saying, well, if you've only got forty sheep, is that is is that a flock? Yeah. Um, is that producing food? Yeah, you know, and it, this, yeah, these yeah, are the debates, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Is actually what do we have to do in this landscape to to maintain uh, our food production? Um, and is is reducing sheep numbers to that I'll much? Just pull off the yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're parked, but we're parked in the way of a couple of vehicles. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, what I would say is, do we? To what extent does agriculture in these parts contribute towards? food production in the UK, uh, you know, we are not, uh, I don't think the sheep, sheep, red meat is declining in terms of its consumption, uh, the uplands is not um, a place that is a, a particular productive place without massive inputs, and therefore should we be, you know, should we be, con what we're doing at the moment is, is not working. Therefore, we need to change somehow. Hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I certainly um, uh, am keen on the ideas that, that people like Chris Clark are putting forward in terms of his MSO. And, and certainly we've found that, that, uh, that, that what he is suggesting in his work um, generally fits with our philosophy and what we have been doing, what we have found in in, in certain uh, certain things that we've 
monitored here is that it's it's consistent with what he's saying. Uh, certainly, the hay the hay the hay yield and and where we've where we've looked at that and compared it when we were farming our uh, our hay and silage conventionally, it's sort of it it it, it, stack, it, it, it fitted almost exactly with what Chris mm. Clark was saying, mm. and we don't get an economic response to those corrective variable costs from yeah. here. So what you what what were you saying? For the for the for the for people who haven't met Chris and I, yeah, I yeah, yeah. he's one of these people I, I look up to as, as as being a real game changer in yeah, terms yeah, of thinking. Yeah, he's uh, essentially saying that actually you're if you're farming well, those additions yeah. are extraneous. That you don't yeah, need, you don't need them yeah. and they are actually counterproductive. Yeah, well, he's saying that you you your your well your maximum sustainable output is where your profitability is at its maximum. Yeah. Generally. Uh, and it might not mean that a farm, a small farm, makes any money. It might it, just be that it loses less. less. Exactly. Yeah. No. No. Absolutely right. Yeah. And, and 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 from the work that he's done, she's been extremely thorough. I don't know how many. He's, he's, he must be approaching two hundred farms in terms of his analysis now, and and uh, it's certainly been an eye opener for him, and for those who 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 have been interested in what he's he's uh, got to say. Um, but it doesn't. It hasn't always landed well, has it? Because I've been, no, I've been in meetings. No, um, no. You know, I, being a conservationist, I, I, I mean, when I started yeah, thirty years ago, nearly, I couldn't walk onto farms and talk about trees, no. particularly if I said openly or easily. It was really quite a tough, mm. tough mm. call yeah. because you just weren't welcomed. Yeah, no. and that slowly has changed yes, over the yes. years. In the last ten years, I've seen a massive acceleration. Yeah, yeah. We're now we're now kind of welcomed very often to talk about hedgerows. Or yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I've seen the same reticence in the sort of Chris Clark world. Mm. The whole regen farming mm. thing's taken a long time to get off the deck, hasn't it? Yeah, because of this conservatism or reticism or whatever it is that's. Yeah, the I think it's. I think it's. Uh, it is conservative. I think it's, it's insecurity as well. Mm. It's, it's it's completely out of comfort zone, and and uh, I think that agriculture is, for want of a better phrase, institutionalised mm. in the UK. We, we, we have been. Um, we have done as bid since the 1940s, well, if poli- not Policy-driven yeah. and, and on the back of the policy funding. Driven. Yes, yeah, yeah. And I think that um, that's very hard to break away from. And I think it, it's it's from sort of from, from cradle to grave. And I think that it maybe even uh, it's very difficult to instill any change at any, any point along that. And I think my worry is that it's going to be hard economic facts that will change... Mm. Uh, the farming, uh, rather than their, their economy, their desire to, and their thoughts. Yeah, their thoughts. And well, if, if I look at what we've done here, we we had a bit of an. A, when we came here as first generation tenants, I was um, desperate to put into practice everything that I'd learned in my farming career. So we yeah. we tried. To, we knew that it's far, it's hard to farm economically in the uplands. So we tried to increase productivity, we improved the genetics, we, we fed more, we improved the grassland, we used fertiliser, we did all those things to try and increase productivity. Mm. But productivity is not the same as profitability. And by we came here in about 2027, uh, 2007, by about 2012, it was plainly obvious that we had to have a rethink. Mm. And we got the, and we had a, we were very fortunate in that we got into the last tranche of the higher level scheme, uh, high level stewardship schemes, and um, we, um, Sally and I sat down and said, "Crikey, this is a significant income for the next ten years. It's guaranteed. We can't squander this. 
we've got to do something with this. We've got mm. to capitalise this, turn it into something that that's going to uh, see us beyond. Um, that was, this was long before Brexit or anything like that. Mm. But but it, we felt that that level of uh, financial support from the government was not sustainable in the long run. So we thought we'd better do something that, that made our farms sustainable. So you're, you're the, what's, what was the basic payment? The basic so, income that you, that you got from owning or managing So lands. So we got that, but then we had a, we had a stewardship, a sum which of stewardship a, money, which, which was the agri-environment. And we thought we've got to do something with the agri-environment yep. money yep. and plow it into something that will take us forward. Because you thought the loss of the other would, the other would go. Uh, we, we thought that we didn't think that that level, the the total yeah. pot of subsidy money that we were receiving yeah. on this farm was going to be sustainable going forward. We knew it was it, we were all, we almost guaranteed to be less. So we had to try and yeah. and do something. So we we borrowed we borrowed a significant amount of money, which was a surprise, which was sort of a bit of a <laughs> step into the unknown for us. But the, the the key but the key worry that I have is that that took us because we were a small farm, we we had very limited capital resources. We we're a tenant, so we didn't have that capital base like if if you were a 200 cow dairy herd owner occupier, then you've got you, you can implement change very quickly. Mm. But you don't get 200 cow dairy herds in where we are. You've and also got a saleable asset if it all goes. Well, yeah, well that's right. You yeah, you've got you've got so you've got something to and you've got something to borrow against, and you've probably got staff, and you're closer to resources, and you've got all those things that are, are much more uh, make make life much quicker, much much more yeah. straightforward, uh, run much more smoothly. So up here, so it's it's for, so my concern for areas certainly in Upland, Britain, are where where you've got sort of significant numbers of of tenants uh, or ten- uh, in, in this sort of situation are uh, that, that um, time is running out. Mm. We've got, we, it's taken us really to get to be, to get to be co- producing a commercial, uh, at a commercial level, it took us six years. And, and we're not, our viable production level will be achieved not this year, but next year, I think. Um, and that's approaching 10 years. Mm. And we, we, and so that's why we took that decision, ten, you know, eight, six, seven, eight years ago to do that. And my worry is that time is running out. And, and, and what's taken us seven years, there isn't that time left. Mm for other farmers to make that change, which is a real a real concern. So you've, you, I suppose what we're saying is you've done the thinking, you've thought ahead, you've seen or you've tried to divine a future, you've gone for it. Yes. You've made that happen. Yes. And you've not been led by the funding on that, you've been led by where you want to go. Yes. And that's where, that's where it's different from many farms that are still uh, in the, what, we've been uh, receiving payments, yeah, we haven't done yeah, the thinking yeah. yet. This is where Chris, Chris Clark's critical in that he says vision. Yeah. You need a vision. Yeah. When you've got a vision, then you can break that down into objectives. And those are the bite-sized chunks that yeah. you can deal with. That's taken us six years to do. Yeah. But we knew what they were. And because we had the vision, then we were able to work towards it. And we had to do it out of cash flow rather than... I mean, we borrowed, but I say we had to do it out of cash flow as well. And time, time there's time constraints, there's family constraints, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but, but without that vision and that business plan 
and, and that annual, we've just done our annual review, and Sally's very good at doing that. And says, she asked the questions: What's gone well? What's yeah, yeah. what's not gone yeah. just as well? You know, what can we do to improve? What are the you know what are the successes? All those things, yeah. and we we call it our AGM. So is this, is this around the kitchen table? Yeah, yeah, we're doing it around the kitchen table. With so a glass we do, of wine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> so not not too many though. So we do. So what we do is we do cheese, yeah. and we do farm, and we do household. Yeah. And we do it that way, and 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 so it, we when we have three sheets and we fill them in, we might not do it all together. Uh, do, do, we'll do one at a time, uh, but it works, and it gives it sets you the goals for the following year or years, and you can. I think I, I think I might take this home and, and sit down. Uh, actually, <laughs> we'll send you. We'll send you. Yeah. A, we'll send you a photocopy <laughs> or a, 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 a. I'll send you the document. Uh, but Sally's really good because of her professional life. That's what she's partly yeah. what she's been doing yeah. and she's yeah. sort of brought that home yeah. and, it, and it does work um, but I think along with that in terms of that vision part, part of that was um, uh, it, that vision didn't come straight away and we had to we knew we had to change and then we we sort of used we looked at the geography of where we live and the difficult the, the, the difficulties in terms of climate geography access uh, cost, etc., etc., and with uh, and and to cut a long story short, we came. The reason we went to cheese was a it was historic. We've got a good narrative mm-hmm. in terms of the agri environment scheme, yeah. the, the 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 narrative, uh, the, the, the sorry the um, yeah good story, the the, the the extinct cheese, nearly extinct cattle, nearly extinct um, uh, to upland hay meadows. Then you combine that with the geography. Well, we've got it. You know, we've got three miles of stone track in front of us. We've got to, you know, bringing anything of any substance in and taking anything of any bulk out is expensive, time-consuming, and and hard on machinery in terms of wear and tear. Mm. So actually, um, we've whatever we sell from the place has got to have the minimum amount of input and the maximum amount of value mm. and minimum amount of volume or bulk. Mm. And that's why we came to cheese. And then you look back in, you know, 80 years ago, and yeah, they did make cheese here. And yes, it was largely on a subsistence basis, but actually the certainly high rigs, which is part of the land we farm, they, Mrs. Chalice made cheese and had a really good reputation for doing that. And people would be buying cheese from her back door. That's mm. sort of back in the 1950s. Um, so, so there is. So, it, it's about you know spending time on that. That vision is really important, and it doesn't. It does, certainly doesn't come straight away. And Chris always says you've got to share a bath with your wife and a glass of wine, um, which <laughs> <laughs> I did. didn't quite do that. But, yeah, but have certainly the, had the, the yeah, glass of wine. Bath, you, no, that's yeah. right. So, so okay. we, we didn't quite we didn't quite get to that. But but, it's, but but that vision is absolutely critical. And my concern is that for very many farmers, the vision that they have is a status quo and yeah. we know that the status quo is not viable yeah and that's that is so the got big challenge thinking. they've got and that's why i like the regen space because it's people thinking and people who were prepared to say oh that was a mistake oh that went yeah yeah yeah. I, I, but yeah the f- the free exchange of ideas when yeah. we actually we're talking of cheese you're an award-winning cheese man aren't you well no because i don't we don't we don't I don't think so. We Are you not? No. All right. Because we've never bothered putting out. We we haven't got time to put uh, it into any. We, we, uh, okay. uh, well, I don't know. It, well, let's let's go meet the cheese. Well, we can go meet the cheese, and we can go. And you, I think we've got a bit less left you can taste. Hey, fantastic! But um, 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 no, we've never had. We've never bothered with awards because actually, one of the reasons is that one of the awards take one of the big awards takes place in in May, and 
You're busy. And, and we haven't made any cheese that's <laughs> fit to eat by then because we're seasonal. Right. You know, we work with the seasons. We don't, so it's a raw milk cheese. It's a raw milk cheese. We don't buy any significant amount of input. We can't produce milk in the winter. It's too cold. The feed quality isn't good enough. We would have to buy in. Mm. We have to spend an awful lot of money on heating, an awful lot of money on buying an expensive cake, and that would ruin the terroir of our cheese. And our cheese... People say our cheese tastes like an alpine cheese, and that's because it's reflective very much. The science is there to show that the, the, the cheese that you eat is reflective of the grass that those cows are eating. Our cows have a diet that's 99.5% grass. Mm. Uh, and, and they, herbs and wildflowers. Uh, yeah, yeah, and the weeds, which some people would call it. <laughs> and so we, 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 we graze them from uh, mid-April through to mid-October and milk them, and then they stay outside. Um, they're quite hardy and they'll stay outside until well this year it's been the end of February really but it is sold in Neil's Yard yeah it's in Neil's Yard area in the courtyard area it's that's and, nearly award winning well, well, well whatever <laughs> they pay them they they have so without without Neil's Yard dairy and without the courtyard area it's settled we wouldn't be here and that's another big part of the story in that those two organisations as cheesemongers are probably unique in that they understand cheese from from grass to counter uh, and they are um, uh, do you know what this is the busiest farm track in the middle uh, of nowhere yeah, yeah it is it, we, yeah it's it's not quiet um and they have been there for us right from in, right from the concept yeah and, and that gives you confidence to borrow money to take those decisions mm. because you know that if your vision is right and it's consistent with their views and their market and they're supporting you, then and you've got the, you've got the drive to do that, then they will um, help you get there. And, and they've been true to their word. They've been brilliant. Brilliant. Well, we met Bromwyn together a couple of years ago, so that's yeah, another story yeah, for another time. Yeah. But um, rather than sitting in your truck, yes. a fantastic view. Let's go, yes, make, yes, let's go no, and meet the cheese. Yes, no. We've just come down Andrew's Drive, which I have to say is, <laughs> it's a long drive. <laughs> and we've stopped on his in-by-land and we're surrounded by curlew and lapwing. In fact, there's a kite overhead as well. Um, It's, um, it's one of the sounds that you look forward to. It knows, you know that winter's on the way out. It, it, um, it, 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 yeah, it, it helps to um, 
see out the, the sort of dark, cold days of winter, really, and, and uh, it's a joy to hear the curlews, and we'd certainly, uh, it wouldn't be the same place without them. It, we did some work up at High Halbeck last year with the help of that, that estate, in fact, two years ago now, um, with some green recovery money. And, yeah, just the, the sheer number of birds that come back when, you, when we were planting trees and in the gills. Yeah, yeah. And then on these, on these sort of higher, flatter areas, um, the sounds of these birds coming back. Yeah. Um, just absolutely brilliant. And it does, it does give you, a, it gives you a sort of different sensation, doesn't it? It, it does, it's yeah, a, yeah. It's a very wonderfully natural thing to it see. It is, yeah. yeah. And, you know, we, we try... I think that you know the things that we yeah we when we plant you know our our views in terms of planting trees are into restricted into the gills leave these sort of open areas for for for, for curlews but one of the I think the thing one of the things that we do that's that's probably significant is that we we don't we hardly cut I don't I think be of the fifteen years we've been here I might I've been here I might have cut for hay or silage in July twice. Mm. It's always into August. Mm. We've never got anything in ready before. No, no, no. So that's fab. It's that's just great for the ground nesting birds, and, and and so they just have. They're basically these these meadows that we have now. These forty acres won't won't have anything in them. They'll have. They'll probably have them a transition. The lower meadows will probably have cows in them for a fortnight, just when we turn out, and then and then they'll be left until August. Uh, um, uh, sort of from from early May through to, to August, just for the birds to do their stuff. Um, and uh, and but that's a happenstance of your system. Yeah, we just we've tried we've tried the fertilizer thing, and it doesn't and it and it just doesn't work. We don't get an economic response. It's absolutely consistent with Chris Clark's MSO. I can yep. show you the figures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and um, and and actually, the quality of the stuff that comes off. Now that we've 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 we're trying to restore these meadows with with different species is just phenomenal and 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 it's beautiful stuff that comes off, and it and it makes hay very easily. Uh, it's a high, it's a, actually a high quality feed, um, and we simply just can't it, it, forcing it just doesn't work. Trying to speed things up doesn't work, and we do, actually we make more money with less sheep. You know, we, 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 so you're using you're effectively using the the the, the the animals you've got as a tool to manage your land. Yes, more more likely. Yeah, so I, yeah. I, I had this saying of yeah, yeah. managing land for animals or managing land with animals. Well, I think probably with animals. Too. It's, it's, a, it's becoming a vastly more, different yeah, thing, isn't it? It's more. It's more about. Yeah. It's. It, it, and if you look, if you. So when we first came here, when I was in my my post my post-industrial um, agriculture um, phase phase <laughs> yes. oh, no well all my all my just left A period shall we say yeah all my yeah my <laughs> industrial agriculture period at the end of it when we came when we first came here um, I couldn't I couldn't I just got terribly frustrating traded trying to make hay with wet in wet weather, and, and I so I wrote, I phoned up the local um, weather guy who, who, who records for the Met Office and said, um, Bill, I said, well, give it, you know, what's the, 
what's the statistical what's the what's the probability of having four or five dried days what's the best day to, in in the summer um, to um, mow for hay given that you're you're wanting four or five dry days in which to make it what's you know which day is the highest probability and he and he and he looked back at his records which went over about 30 years and he said actually it's it's the 29th of august right which ties in almost fantastically well with late flowering um, meadow species um and so and so we just don't so what i do instead of getting wound up and worried about whether we're going to cut or anything i just i just get the contractor um to to i tell the contractor to come when he's done everybody else um rather than getting stressed about it right and just say you you tell me when you're coming um in a sense i suppose you asked the question where our forefathers were they i mean they would they would they were doing what what the weather allowed them to do. Yes, up here. yes, yes, likely, yeah. So they'd have found this stuff out, they'd have been doing this stuff themselves because yes, yes. they wouldn't have been cutting until it was worthwhile cutting. That's right. Because you, particularly with hand hand yeah, yeah. tools or yeah, with, yeah. with animals to, yeah, to cart yeah. the stuff around, you kind of try and do the limited amount of operations necessary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least with a tractor, you can go back and forth a few times, it yeah, doesn't really matter, right. does it? Yeah, oh, well, it's yeah. just a bit of diesel. But yeah. if you're doing it by hand, yeah. then these the meadows you're now managing yeah. in the way probably yeah. it was more. It's more like that. Yes, yeah. system. I think so. I, I think you know we. I think we. We've, we've turned the clock back in some respects, um, and tried to combine, but tried to combine that with with, um, you know, modern knowledge. I think, uh, and, and try to and, and, and utilize it in a in a and, uh, to try and make a viable business really. Um, well, the birds seem to love it. It has to be said, we're on the edge of a keepered moor. So there is keeping locally. Um, there's a big expanse behind us of moorland without any trees on. So yep. um, from the curly perspective, that's probably not a bad thing. But you are, you have got trees on the farm. They yeah. are in the in the steeper gills with the streams, aren't they? Yes. The yeah, they are. And they are giving you shelter, shade, browse, other other attributes. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I think really, if you look at what 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 those trees are doing long term for us, uh, they're hopefully. I think that, yeah, the rationale was uh, we get a fence out of it to keep our, keep sheep, etc., out of those gills. Mm -hmm. uh, we stabilise the uh, steep slope and stop erosion. There is a, a could be Galthwaite Reservoir downstream is is now a th it's only 66% of its volume. Well, it's, was 100. It's, got, it's got loads of willow scrub. Yeah, well, it's well, it's like, willow scrub in the middle of the reservoir. Yeah, well, it's just filling up. Yeah. It's filling up because of erosion. Erosion. And so we, we are trying to, you know, there's erosion, contra uh, hopefully suppressing erosion. There's, there's building wildlife corridors. If, if we can, if we can plant trees up to the, the sort of base of rigs more there, then we've got a wildlife corridor which stretches all the way down to Galthwaite Reservoir, which must be about four miles down there, uh, which is fantastic. We've, we've got um, shelter. We've got, um, we're helping to slow the flow. And again, as I mentioned earlier, we're trying to, you know, we've got issues with bracken and I think that trees in the long term are probably the best way to suppress bracken in the uplands. Mm. Um, for, um, that's not tested, on, 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 but it's my, it's my sort of 
hope. Well, we know that when trees establish, they will shade out. Yeah, the all that's, yeah. they are. You know, yeah. bracken is a very successful and very old woodland plant, is yeah. my understanding, but yeah. it's escaped. Um, well, you and, see these big bracken beds with nothing on top. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. And so I think that that's that would be that that's that's really um, what we're hoping from the sort of aesthetic, visual, uh, tangible. Uh, uh, outcome or output from planting trees, but actually the the other the, the less tangible one is actually hoping to try and mitigate or try to help in terms of the carbon balance of the farm. Mm. And if and, and the, the, you know the arguments out there's there's a big argument about whether or not grazing animals contribute towards climate change, depending on who you speak to. Uh, I'm. I'm sort of sitting on the fence at the moment, but conscious of, of politics, um, and and therefore I'm hoping to future-proof what we do by planting as many trees as I can in the right place, mm. and to hope to hope to um, compensate, if that's the right word, for that that methane output mm. and the fossil fuels that we do use. I mean, we're trying to cut down on fossil fuels as drastically as we can as well. So mm. uh, we actually extend our grazing. So we, where we've got rid of the sheep, uh, having reduced our sheep from 400 down to 40, what the sheep would graze in summer, the cows now graze in winter. Right. So we've not made that into silage or hay and incurred a fossil fuel cost. We just turn the cows out onto it to, to graze it. And are the cows out most of the year? Or so the, our cows are out. Our cows will be out from uh, mid-April through. Uh, they will graze grass, and we will make cheese from late April through to mid-October if the weather allows. Then the cows will be dried off. Uh, we only milk the, the cows once a day, actually, mm -hmm. and then. Um, the cows will be dried off mid-October and then they will stay outside until somewhere between the end of January and the end of February, grazing on... Uh, they, will graze, they will graze grass until the end of December and then we will start to, to, to feed them the hay that we've made mm. outside mm -hmm. and then we'll bring them in once the ground nesting birds return in right. February. Okay. So we've got to give the ground nesting birds a chance yeah. and so we bring the cows in and the land a chance because it gets too wet up here. And then we yeah we bring the ground we bring the cows inside to to carve uh, sort of over the period over April uh, and give those ground nesting birds a chance and then we'll start to turn cows out back when we, when they carve in, in mid April onto the lower the lower pastures and meadows where the ground nesting birds aren't aren't um, nesting mm. uh, and then gradually as as time as the summer progresses we work our way up the hill mm. really. Mm. Um, and so that's that's sort of how it works. Um, Fantastic. And have you seen an increase in ground nesting birds since you've been here? Um, I, do, I can't. I, I I I can't hand on heart say we've we've seen an increase. We haven't. The monitoring hasn't taken place over long enough and a long enough period of time to take account of variability. Um, but numbers certainly haven't declined. Mm. Um, and I. Uh, would like to. I would like to hope that they have increased, but I, 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 I don't know. Because See, monitoring is a huge. It's a huge issue. Isn't it? I mean, this is something we struggle with. It's expensive. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. Um, and you need skills. Yes, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm always faced with anecdotal. Yes, that's right. Yes. Conversations. Oh, they've always been up there, yeah, or yeah, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I think well, I. 
maybe they've not always been up there. Yeah. B, they might have always been up there, but probably three or four or five times yeah, the number. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so yeah. that anecdotal stuff doesn't really work, does it? Yeah, we've got, you know, what we can say is that I've probably got, I think we've probably got two, two complete surveys over a period of six years, and that's not enough to... Um, uh, that, two surveys isn't enough for me to draw a state a line in any mm. particular direction. No. Uh, but I'm hopeful that we just, in terms of what we're doing um, here on the ground, it's as good as you can. Just, yeah, from our perspective, you yeah. know. Uh, again, the the we are a keepered estate. Um, uh, um, I'm pretty certain that, that, in terms of in terms of control of carnivores whether they be uh, you know from whatever sort they are uh, does is beneficial to those ground nesting birds um, and just what the long term for that sort of side of the of the equation is I don't know but we'll try and continue to do our best yeah. within our powers anyway is it time to go and meet some yeah. cheese? Yeah, it is. Yes, yeah, sorry. Let's, yeah. go, let's go and meet yeah, some sorry. cheese. Yeah, so milk, milk comes from the parlour. Uh, we start milking at half past five in the morning. Uh, we make cheese every other day. Uh, so before we start to make... We, 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 before we start milking, actually, we... Um, we have to get up earlier than that to, to set up the, the milk, uh, bring the, uh, transfer the milk from the bulk tank that's been chilled from the previous day mm -hmm. into the cheese vat uh, to, um, to, to start warming. And then that's joined through milking from milk straight, milk straight from the parlour and by about half past seven in the morning it's ready to add the rennet in the starter culture. And we do that and then we take the kids to school and then we come back and cut the cheese. So, so the oh, bulk tank's up here. Okay. This is a, a bit of a Heath Robinson setup. Yep. Uh, this is a back of a Sainsbury's home delivery van with a 750-litre um, bulk tank, and then the sort of dairy water heating for cleaning down. That's it. That's at the far end as well. Um, we had fantastic dairy engineers who were really up for the challenge of, of sort of this crazy idea of making cheese here, and they adapted their you know, ideas and methods and and uh, uh, tools and and infrastructure to make it happen, really. Uh, so, yeah, milk goes from here uh, on, a, on a morning. And then we take it... Oops! Sorry, this is the, this is the cheese. Sorry, it was a uh, we, we cool it with a beer cooler um, to keep that load, that cheese cake, cave type up where you've got high humidity yep. and low temperature, which isn't easy to do. Uh, then we then sorry, this is where we make the cheese in a converted shipping container, um, which isn't quite finished yet. The porch wise, you can just have a look in there. We can't really go in with wellies. No, no, no. But, but, but that's we we converted it ourselves, so you can see the cheese, the water, the, sorry, the milk will come in through from the bulk tank in the bottom pipe yep. straight into the vat, and then from the parlour. Later in the morning, it comes through as we milk it into the vat. By the time, yeah, so as I say, by the time we get to half past seven in the morning, 
that's up to 28 Celsius, yeah. which is Wednesdale running and uh, starter temperature and, and the day set, set going. So this is a this is a clean room with a couple of big stainless steel vats and some blue uh, sinks, I suppose, quite big yeah, sinks. Yeah, yeah. And then some looks like moulds. Is that over there? Yeah, cheese moulds and mm -hmm. then and then spaces. Uh, we, as I say, we've yet to sort of have the, the the annual big spring clean before we start going. So it's everything slightly. And you put those out on wooden. Yeah, so those shelves. are wooden trays that have yeah. yet to be washed, but wooden shelves, sorry, and, and that's where we saw the. I can't take you in to show the other no. two stores. <clears> that's fine. further through, and so this was. Yeah, this was a bit of a. We we we, we took our idea from a guy in in Cornwall who had converted one of these, um, and and sort of adapted it slightly to our make, um, and it's it's sort of we got I think we there's very little that we would actually change now we I think we got it more or less as we wanted it this is actually a that's a, a shower door right from Screwfix <laughs> um, and then and I think that we will probably next year we might go for a slightly bigger vat as we get cow numbers yeah. up to earn cow production where we want to be uh, and we can actually slide it out the end mm. the other side of there we can get it out and right. get another one in as long as it's the same diameter yeah. same cross-sectional area um, uh, but then, yeah that's uh, that's uh, Mm. That's us. So this is the whole. This is this the is production. Yes, yeah, this is. Yeah. It's, yeah. Again, it's not. It's not big, but it's actually the fact is it's small. It retains heat pretty well. It's not yeah. that bad to heat, and actually it's not bad to clean down as well. Yeah. 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 Wow. So that's the whole process. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. From grass to cow. Yes, and the great thing is you can be in there making cheese, and you can see cows out there grazing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the milk they gave will be cheese in the afternoon on a good day when it's not raining. Just walking across Andrew's yard <coughs> and the view is phenomenal actually up to the moors there and beautiful pastures. Yeah, so that's your, that's your view. We've got a waterfall at the bottom. We come to a point at the bottom of yeah. the two meadows below here. They're both in restoration. They're both actually both these meadows are now registered as species rich. Okay. Which is that's taken. That's taken fifteen years. Right. Maybe yeah. even maybe maybe neck end of twenty years to get to that point, and there's still work to be done. Um, planted trees right down in the bottom. You can just I see, can see some tubes, yeah, tubes. tubes there. And you've got plenty of ash in there. You've got ash dieback is ripping you, through these. Yeah, yeah, it is. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm afraid, and it's and it's. It's everywhere now. It's been late coming to us, but I think it's here well and truly. Yeah, end of the line, top of the hill. It I is, think. yeah. But plenty of old in the bottom there. I, yeah. uh, you've been replanting with oak. Oak, uh, willow, birch, hazel, willow. Yeah. wild cherry, all the native, uh, all everything that's native to here, hawthorn, blackthorn, uh, I think, what else? Oak, holly. Um, and it was often the case in these, apple, in these mm. sort of upland gills that, that it's become quite a, a narrow suite of species that we see because it's been eaten out by sheep. Yes. Yeah, so right. actually the older is the one that, one of the few that's... Yeah, because it's bitter. Yeah. Nobody likes it. No, no, no one likes it. <laughs> or I did spot one of our cows eating older the other oh. day. Oh, the, sorry, just in the autumn, um, actually. But uh, it, plenty of people have said to me over the years, that, well, oh, we've got this fantastic older woodland. It's brilliant. It's, it's yeah. what it does up here. And, it, and actually it's like, well, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's just... The, the, yeah, that's it's right. The, it's the thing. Yeah, it's the, that's, <laughs> it's, yeah, well, that's right. No, I agree. Um, but actually to make a start, they're great, they're great pioneers. 
for us. They're fantastic in, in, in where, and, and if you've got them there, into the, if, if you're looking at bank stability, or you know, get get something there to begin with, and then and, and get it fenced off, get it and 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 then try and and let nature take its course. Really, it's a brilliant tree. <clears throat> But it shouldn't be the only tree. Oh, no, no, I agree. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> I think disagree at all. As a tree lover. But I, I just think it's there. It, it's, it's one of those pioneer species. That's yeah. like birch. Birch is pioneer, but I don't really like it. It just sort of... Oh, I love it. Uh, birch just seems to be a bit of a peely-wally thing that just sort of... Oh, it sort no. of rots away easily and doesn't do the, anything. The thing, the thing to see is a birch, a birch with, uh, with long-tailed tits oh, right. in the winter. That's my favourite thing. Finally, finally get to the piece of cheese, <coughs> and it's from a round, which would have been how much? What's the uh, weight? Uh, about just under four kilos. It's about uh, four inches high and eight inches diameter, and it's cloth and bound. This is the last bit of, of last. This is, this is the last bit of twenty-two so, cheese. So this, yeah. is, this is never to be repeated experience, and it's bound in cloth. Yeah, it's uh, got a fantastic mould on the outside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just cut into it. It's a sort of a, a, a more of a creamy colour than a white colour. It's certainly not crumbly like um, the, the 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 sort of uh, more common Wensdale that's that's produced in factories. Uh, the ours is a much more a much softer uh, cheese with a yellow um, uh, paste colour, um, and and some of that softness is due to the uh, method of production. And we have a long, slow acidification. Uh, our cheese will probably take uh, eight hours to get from milk into uh, into a cheese mould, mm -hmm. whereas more modern uh, Wensleydale might be sort of three to five hours. Mm, okay. uh, and we, so we, we basically, our, the difference is that our cheese drain, the whey drains from the curd first before it really acidifies. And that's what helps to make our cheese softer. The other thing that makes our cheese softer is the fact that they're grazing grass, and that means that the um, the, the um, fatty acids um, within the milk fat are um, unsaturated, so they tend to be more they tend to be more towards being liquid at room temperature. That right. means that the, okay. the the fat is softer. Right. So, so we better you better try we and better, taste them. Sit down. <clears throat> Do, would you like a cup of tea or anything? I'd like love that? one actually. And I'm gonna just enjoy. Well, you have a cheer. I don't know what you want to do because you might want to switch the microphone off. Let me just taste it first to make sure it's. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, that's all right. So I've, had, just I, got, I've got my very own cheese taster here. So it's slightly stretched. It's slightly. It's got a little bit of a bitter edge now because it's it's probably past its best. But it's a, it's it's. Mm. Uh, it's probably it much it would be much milder eaten in in June. But well, I quite like that edge actually. <coughs> that's nice. That's a that's a really it's a for such a strong flavour. It's a yeah. it's a that's the strongest I've tasted. It's a confidence. It's not. That, I mean, you've got it right at the end of its mm. life. Um, but that's but that's not. It's not too strong. It's not sort of no, no, strong. No. That's, that's a really nice. But, but that's got a lot stronger recently. That's, mm. Mm. But I. There's a maker prefer it in well, I prefer it to eat it when it's a month mm. old. Mm. But that is lovely cheese. 
Fantastic. And <clears throat> the end of the day, this is this is what your this is what your future's about, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, doing yeah. cheese. Yeah. Farming in a traditional way with yeah. wildlife yeah. all around you. Yeah. Beautiful animals. Fantastic place to be and yeah. producing a high. Yeah, quality. I mean we are we're living the dream. I mean, I, we we got, I do pinch myself every yeah. morning when I'm milking cows. I do go out and think you're lucky, so you know. Uh, um, but we've got to, and we've got to make the best of it. And yeah. and, and we and actually the, the the other thing about making cheese is that 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 um, it's made it's given the farmer raison d'etre. It's made life very much more interesting for us. I mean, we're all we're gregarious people. We 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 have a scientific background. We enjoy challenges. And we enjoy change. And then the cheese has brought this massive new family. Yeah. The, the, and and the, the 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 artisan cheese um, community has been so welcoming, so open, so willing to help. Uh, that it, uh, um, that, and so encouraging that it's been, it's just been a, a and they're all friends and they all come here and we sort of you think like you said earlier this is the busiest track out well yeah. they just we you know we we're sort of fighting people off with sticks in the summer <laughs> to come here um, we, we, and we and we to, to the point where it gets a bit overwhelming sometimes um, but it's been great for us and our you know our children have have to sort of. Uh, it's been great for them to meet all these people from all over the world who come here, uh, and just because we make it a sort of a sort of extinct cheese. Yes, yeah. I think. Well, you, uh, what? Well, you know, and uh, who are we to say that it is what Wensleydale cheese was? I don't know, but I think that Wensleydale cheese was a generic term for a very broad yeah. spectrum of. Yeah. types and qualities of cheese that were made in a particular way but that they would have turned out very differently depending on the farm you're on. Um, so I'll put the kettle on, that might make a bit of noise. So we just had some gorgeous cheese on toast and homemade chutney. And a mug of tea. Um, so, where do you think are you? You're you're going to be here until you retire. I hope so. Yes. Uh, um, uh, as we sort of discussed earlier, whether that opportunity is available to either of our children, uh, and whether they want to take that on, I'm not sure. Uh, we hope the opportunity is there, um, uh, but we're certainly not going to. Um, we're not going to count on that and we're not going to um, put any pressure on our two mm. children to um, go down the farming route it's entirely it ha they have to want to live here and do that if they're going to make but it work it, but it does sound like you've created for yourself a fascinating life yes you say you've made friends with cheese mongers cheese mongers cheese makers cheese customers cheese scientists cheese and cow a whole, whole new uh, cohort of, of your uh, world's expanded. This has very much so, and it, as I said earlier, it's given the farm that the 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 milking parlour has given the sorry sorry or the the cheese has given the 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 farm infrastructure raison d'etre, and it's also given the f the 
farm as a as a business resident uh, yeah. you know yeah. there's a reason to be here but i you know some people ask me what i what i do and i say well i uh, well probably um I, i'm a cultural conservationist maybe is one of my should be one of my job titles. i don't know whether that's being a bit bold I don't know. So it's not not regen farming because we, we've we said we're not entirely sure that, that that's what you. Well, think. yeah, but, but, I, you, but I quite like the cultural conservation. I, I, but it's just in terms of cheese, you know, cheese is something that's died out. We hopefully we're sort of getting somewhere towards what it used to be like. We're yeah. keeping. We're we're giving the farm the raison d'etre. We're giving we we we've um, re-established species-rich hay meadows. We've we've got the. Um, uh, the, the wildlife, we've got um, a, an artisan cheese, a raw milk cheese that reflects what the cows are eating. We've got a rare breed of cows. We're using an old cheese recipe. Um, so we're taking, we're, we're trying, these are things that have, are either become extinct or are in danger of becoming extinct. And we're trying to um, develop a, a viable business around those things. Those are unique selling points for our cheese. Mm. Uh, and 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 mean that we can charge a premium for it, um, and I think yes, going back, to, uh, cultural conservationist might be a bit strong or a bit bold, but um, I I think there are ele certainly elements of that, um, and as I said earlier, that I'm regenerative agriculture is probably what we would fit into, but it, but actually, from my own perspective, I'm more comfortable when I'm explaining what we do as being. Uh, extens uh, we farm extensively, uh, uh, and we try uh, and as sustainably as as we can, and there's always room for improvement on that. Mm. And we can't. Uh, whereas if I said I was regenerative, that that perhaps doesn't isn't as descriptive as I would like it to be. Um, maybe. So for me, who visits lots of upland farms, I want to see a future for them. I want. I think those people are fantastic, and they've 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 struggled through generations mm. to be where they are. I'm concerned about how they need to evolve mm. to bring those things together, which is you know, economic future, social future, but also an ecological and environmental future. Mm. And I think the last point, that ecological and environmental future, is one that's sadly lacking in a lot of thinking at the moment. That's the one I'd like to pull in. And visiting a farm like this, and thanks very much for showing me around. It's been brilliant. Is it's a joy because I can see all of these elements in one place and, and it offers up a solution. Let's, let's finish there because it's been a fantastic tour of the farm, fantastic um, seeing you again up here, eating the cheese, seeing how it's produced. Um, you know, we have, we've opened up more, more topics for discussion now than we've closed down, haven't we? Really? Yes, but, probably. Um, on this farm, I can, say, I can see a fabulously well thought through system. I can see more wildlife returning. I can see that you've really been through the numbers and thought it through and got a way forward. And I think that's a, that's a great story. So thanks very much, Andrew, for your time today. It's been brilliant. Thank, no, you. No, thank you very much. It's been, it's been really uh, nice to, to have you on the farm and to uh, talk through our, um, our sort of ideas, really. So, yeah, thank you. It was great to meet Andrew, really high up the fell side. It's a very difficult place to farm. It's right on the edge of the moors, but a beautifully isolated location with birdsong the whole time we were there. It was a real joy. And it was great to think of Andrew thinking his future through and finding a way forward in these really tough economic times 
and thinking about nature too. I, it was just a, a great place to be and a great man to talk to. Next time, we're in Suffolk at Wakelands Farm talking about agroforestry with David. See you then. You've been listening to the Tree Amble podcast, written and produced by myself, Pete Leeson. My special thanks go to Pete Ord for his awesome production and mixing skills. And actually, Pete and Pete, both of us, we wrote the music, so thanks very much to Pete for his input there. The recording was on location with mixing and production at the studio at Sunbeams, part of the Annie Mawson Sunbeams Music Trust. Thanks also to all those lovely people who were interviewed, Simon Wakefield for the artwork, and my special thanks go to those who gave me the confidence and support to make this happen. Angela, Anne, Catherine, Tim, Tim, Kevin, Emma, Nick and Paul, thank you.